Welcome to Red and Yellow, the podcast about all things to do with refereeing at grassroots level, looking at the laws of football, speaking to guests and trying to help you become a better referee with Adam Humphreys and me, Ed Connell. I love that. I love that recording in progress that you get on uh, on Zoom when you do these things. It makes me feel very official when we start these. It's like, you know, in TV studios, when you get that person who does like that three, two, and you're live, like... Not that I've ever experienced that. How are you, Adam? You all right? Well, now I'm depressed. <laughs> Just reminding myself <laughs> that I've never been on live TV. <laughs> I, I, I've done live TV on a number of occasions. What yeah. do, you, whoa, do you care to share your stories? Uh, I used to be the occasional guest lawyer on the Kilroy program. On Kilroy to, Silk, really? Yeah, I was wow. the guest lawyer. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I've got some great video footage of me looking very fresh-faced in a pinstripe suit and sounding very authoritative. I'd expect nothing less from a lawyer. Wow. Um, And I did some... uh, I've done things like Sky News and BBC News talking about homophobia in football before. I remember you. I remember watching you on Sky News, I think, one morning. You messaged me. Uh, I think you heard me on Radio 5, actually. No, I'm sure I saw you on TV as well. I did definitely hear on Radio 5, that's for sure. Because um, that was when Qatar got named the host of the World Cup, didn't it? And yeah. we was all against their uh, human rights record. Yeah, and we were saying it from the get-go. Yes. And it hasn't gone away. Um, no. Very sad. It's very sad. Um, anyway, I can see it. you're sat outside in not-so-sunny Australia. It is definitely not sunny. That is true. Um, it's a bit cold and it's a bit windy. So if you get a bit of wind noise down my microphone, I do apologize, which brings me to other apologies I must make. Last week, my microphone wasn't, for some reason, Zoom and my microphone weren't talking to each other. Hence, I sounded like for most of the podcast, I was about two foot away. Um, So on the recording that we then published, because I wasn't about to say, let's do it again. um, That's why I'm not as clear and as crisp as I should be coming to you this bright and early Sunday morning. Um, so yes, so that's that. And if my voice sounds a little hoarse today, it's because I've been practicing Basil 40 for a play that I am in. Yes, you're about to appear as Basil 40 in a touring production in Australia, aren't you? Uh, something like that, yeah. My first shows are up in Cairns, which will be fun um, at the end of the month. Not that I'm ready, but hey, a lot of work to be done. So I thought before we launched into another exciting... Wait, 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 wait. I didn't ask how oh. you are. That just makes me sound like I'm, I'm a narcissist. How are you? Um, the shoulder is still very sore, unfortunately, yes. although it is um, healing slowly. That's good. Um, and because I've been injured, there's not really been much going on. No? So, uh, how was football today? That's the report. Uh, well, I saw that Chelsea won, which I was very pleased about. Um, and I've just seen the results, but I haven't seen the football because of the shoulder. But um, right. yeah. No, oh, I, I, thought, I thought you were going to watch a game today. No, no, no. Um, it was uh, my brother went to the Chelsea game with my nephew. Oh, oh, that sounds like it was a sore point. I'm sorry to bring that up. Okay, um, so we need to take five minutes because Ed needs to cry into his pillow. <laughs> no, we it's all good it's good. All good excellent right um right so what are we going to start with you were on a spiel before i interrupted you well um, i th- i thought that before we uh delved into the enthralling law number four that you say just... that stop putting them down i think number four is enthralling i think there's some really important points in it yeah 
Um, so I thought we would uh, deal with a quite a uh, hot topic in terms of news because yes. since we recorded the last podcast, <clears throat> there was an incident where a referee was assaulted at a game up in Lancashire. And it was Wigan, that, wasn't it? Wigan? Uh, I don't know where exactly it was. I, just, I know it was um, Lancashire FA that released mm. a statement about it. Right. But interestingly, the, the referee suffered a broken collarbone, um, which I know from personal experience is a particularly unpleasant injury to suffer. But it's kind of brought to the fore the issue again about the safety of referees and the problems regarding uh, violence towards referees. Um, and obviously the FA reacted pretty swiftly. And I think we retweeted from our account the statement they did in which they said, you know, this is unacceptable. I think they used the hashtag enough is enough. Yep. But um, as a lot of people have been saying on social media, this has been going on for a long, long time. And um, it's not really, it doesn't seem to be getting any better. I mean, I don't know, um, have you ever been sort of the victim of an assault on the football pitch or football-related assault? <laughs> Uh, uh, yes, yes, I have. I mean, now that you, that that is terrible. I mean, the fact you simply say that and you kind of say it, obviously meaning there's been more than one occasion. I mean, that is a really terrible situation. Well, I've been I've been verbally abused, and and by that I don't mean I have also been physically abused. But I'll get to that in a minute. Um, I've been verbally abused, and by that I don't mean like oh the referees or whatever, or you know just general kind of players swearing at you on the pitch and stuff like there's there's a line there is a line to be drawn um with verbal abuse and that is and i i think like like don't get me wrong physical abuse is a terrible thing um like an awful thing and no one should have to go through it let alone football referees but i also think we need to bring awareness to verbal abuse as well and i think we need to treat them both really with the same amount of um weight because the verbal abuse will probably quite often lead to Physical abuse. And the, the other thing with physical abuse is physical abuse, you um, you can see it. it. It exists. You know, you know, you've gone through it. It's physical. There's something tangible. But the verbal abuse that referees can go through, it can really play on the mind and it can it can settle in a lot later. It can very much affect your confidence and it can and it, it can almost be almost more insidious um, because it's not it's you can't almost pin what it is that's offended you about what's being said to you. Um, and and I think the two are are very closely related. So I I remember being on the line at Thorough FC. Um, so I'm you know doing quite a high level here, um, and that was the worst verbal abuse I ever received. Um, and that was like people were telling me what like there was two fans behind me, and for no reason at all other than the fact I was the referee. Like I'd given basically no decisions, um, and it was just the fact that I was there in front of them holding a flag. And the amount of abuse they gave me, they were they were saying things about what um, what they were doing to my my fiance whilst I was um, whilst I was refereeing uh, to my mum, all kinds of really terrible things, and and it was awful. And I raised it with the referee uh, at the end of the game, and he kind of brushed it under the carpet, sadly, because he was like, I don't want to put in a report. And and the reason he didn't, and I understand why he didn't is because he puts in a report about something like that. Then obviously, next time he comes around to that club, his club marks are going to suffer. It's going to affect his promotion. And and therefore, we, you know, and, and on that day, I feel like we didn't actually do what was the best thing for football, um, which I was very sad about. Because I, I said, I really think we should report this as verbal abuse because it's 
it was pretty bad and it was pretty horrific. And I have quite a high tolerance. I really, uh, really I mean, do. I I have a real issue about the lack of respect towards officials in football. And I'm afraid to say that I think because people see on the TV how professional players speak and deal with professional referees, that grassroots people think it's totally acceptable. And I think the, the for me, the big contrast is with with rugby where it's the complete opposite there's total respect for the referee verbal abuse towards the referee is results in sanctions and penalties and i can't help but feel that we're just too too lax in in football we just it's just accepted as being part of the game that referees are going to be abused yeah I, 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 it's it's a really hard topic because i think i i, I I like, you know, I love rugby. I was a season ticket holder at Saracens for like many, many years. And, you know, I've watched England play many times. Um, even here, I saw him beat Australia, which was awesome. Um, and I am a huge fan of rugby union. One of the bigger differences is, is you, rugby union just attracts a different type of person. Um, and, and that is both to its credit and also to its, um, non-credit what's the word um it works against it because you then don't get a good variety of people you don't get a big talent pool to work from um whereas football is is everybody's game you know football is the working man's game football you hear all these things football everyone feels like they own football and that's that's what the problem really is it's um we all feel like we all feel like we know football so well because we've grown up with it we understand it you know everyone who plays football thinks they know everything they need to know about football everyone's a pundit everyone's a manager everyone's a player everyone has better ideas than the people who are actually in charge and and because of that they feel like they have a key key ownership of the game and that key ownership of the game is what results in these kinds of problems is the fact that people get so passionate about it because they feel like it is their be all and end all they feel like go on but th- this is a this is a really big issue because I, I know we just started off this conversation talking about physical abuse. We'll come back to that in a moment. But verbal abuse is a problem as well. But mm. referee numbers are really suffering in the UK. Yeah. I mean, I read a report at the beginning of this year that said in the five-year period between 2017 and January of this year, referee, grassroots referee numbers in the UK, I think, went down from 33,000 to 23,000. So like a drop yeah. of one-third. Yeah. And we all know how clubs frequently tell us they have real problems getting hold of referees and it's a bit of a vicious circle because until clubs begin to understand why people are leaving the game because they're being verbally abused assaulted it's this problem's just going to get worse yeah and Um, and in in many ways maybe the only thing that's going to stop it is football has to stop because there's no referees and at some point someone will understand the problem is is you know, like a club's desperate for a referee. They scrape the barrel, they find one, and then all they do is spend 90 minutes abusing that guy. And and you've got you've got maybe not as good a referee for the level you're you're playing at because all the referees you've already abused, they don't want to come out on a Sunday morning at 10:30 in the morning. Well, I mean, you know? I, I I can speak about that because I remember being asked to go and referee a youth game, and we're talking like 10, 11 year olds. Yeah. Um, in in a sort of nice part of southeast London, 
and it the the irony was all the parents have stood behind respect barriers because you know they everybody signed up to the FA's respect campaign. Yeah, but they're still but verbally the, abusing. The abuse yeah. I got from the the parents yeah. was incredible. And yeah. the problem then is is the kids hear their parents shouting that and they think it's they acceptable. think they can do the same. Yeah. And I, uh, I'll be but honest then, with you. I, I did that one game, and I never did youth football again no. because I, I thought I'm not I'm not doing this for money. I'm you know I'm not I've driven across sort of southeast London to get paid you know a small amount of money because I enjoy pounds, football, yeah. and I'm not coming back. And yeah. that was the end. That was the end of my experience of youth football. Yeah, I mean, I generally for me youth football has been okay. I had one awful incident in a youth game that I took to SXFA, and they came down on my side with it, and. That was a, uh, I heard a coach or a manager, I wasn't sure who it was, but I definitely heard it. He threatened to kick a ball at a child's head. He So what happened is the ball was out for a throw, but it came back into play. And this little boy, oh, must have been 10, 12, I can't remember. He, he, re- he went to return the ball to the touchline so the play could carry on. And he's just hit it too hard, you know. He's just not aware of his own strength. And he's, and the ball's come at him with a bit of pace on it. And it, it's just flung back. And I think it kind of flew out towards, um, it flew out towards like the touchline where there was a group of spectators. And I think it nearly hit the coach's like mum's head or something like that. And, um, and he screamed at the top of his voice, you do that again, I'm going to kick the ball in your t- into your head or something like that, words to that effect. So I stopped play. I walked over to both of them. I went, whichever one of you said that, you can go for a walk. And I don't want to see you anywhere near this pitch again. And if neither of you do it, I'm just abandoning the game. And this was like a semi-final or something. And they didn't want it to be abandoned. And they stood there and fought with me for about 10 minutes. And I just looked at them and I was, I was clear as day. And I just went, this game is not taking place until one of you removes yourself. And I suggest it was whoever made that comment. Um, and yeah, and I had to stand there and I had to listen to the abuse they were hurling at me. I had to also, the spectators were tell, saying I was the problem for stopping the game and putting my foot down in that situation. So like all the fans of this particular club, they were like, ref, just get on with the game. Just get on with the game. What's the matter with you? It doesn't matter. I'm like, no, no, it really does matter. I'm not having threats of violence. Um, I'm not having threats of violence towards children on a football field. I'm sorry, this is a sport. What do you think this is? Um, and he eventually did remove himself. And then as he was walking off, he obviously threatened to beat me up in the car park after. Um, none of which happened, obviously, but still. And then I took that to the FA and the FA punished him pretty heavily. Um, but I mean, this is the, the problem is, is that lots of sort of young people start their refereeing career, understandably, doing football. Of course, football exactly. If, if I, they think it's going to be a better, safer, kinder environment where you can learn your, absolutely. your, your skills. And I can imagine some some young people who aren't particularly robust going along think it's going to be quite a pleasant experience. Well, experience like that and just never ever referee again. If I wasn't 26, 27 years old when that happened, if I was, to be fair, maybe if I was 18, I might have turned around and punched him in the face myself. But, um, but which I don't condone, by the way. Um, but, you know, if I was younger, if I was 16, 17, 15, I, I might not have ever gone back to the football field again. And yeah. you could argue, you could argue that, you know, if I was 15, 16, 17, he wouldn't have reacted that way to me, putting my foot down. He might not have, but he might have acted worse. Or even just the sheer fact that there's someone there in charge of children who's threatening to kick balls at people's heads. Like the whole situation was just ridiculous. And, and then, you know, that's, so that's the whole verbal abuse thing. Physical abuse. Um, you don't get many referees who who 
would sit on a podcast like this or would you you could ask you could ask many many referees have you ever been physically abused on the football field and they will say no and the reason for that like you could probably ask that 22,000 referees there are and i reckon maybe 5 or 10 of them will probably say yes and the reason for that is the second you get physically abused you stop refereeing and yeah. people don't carry on once something like that happens i you know what happened to me i was over at uh, I want to say Hackney Marshes, but it wasn't Hackney Marshes. It was another, it was another set of fields that are just have just as bad a reputation. And um, there was this right back for this team. Uh, I can't remember what league I was on. Um, and he was, he had his three-year-old, or like he had a little child on the touchline, and he was trying to play the game and trying to be a parent at the same time, which is a very stressful situation. And the whole game, I was like really understanding with him. You know, I was like, dude, like, you know, you can go and sort your child out. It's fine. Just don't jump on and off the pitch too much. Always come on, look for, you know, get my signal and stuff and things like that. Anyway, this kept going on and on and on and on. And then it, it was the most, and this is the other thing as well. It was the most ridiculous decision. Like it was a throw in and I asked him to take it 10 meters back. Like I, I wanted the throw in to be taken where the throw in went out of play. And he just lost it. Absolutely lost it like went off his head at me verbally. So it always starts verbal abuse, lots of verbal abuse, lots of verbal abuse. And then I obviously sent him off. He went off, he took his shirt off and then run back onto the field and went, I'm not wearing a shirt now. You can't do anything. You can't do anything to me. I've not got a shirt on. And just with the full force of God pushed me over. Um, I went flying. Obviously I like, then I don't really know what happened. Uh, he was calling me a racist. He was calling me all kinds of things. Um, I seem to remember like the clubs kind of split it all up, but then members from his own team kind of turned on me a little bit and started calling me a racist or because I asked him to take a throw in where it went out of play. Uh, and then the other team gave me like an 11 man, um, gave me an 11 man escort to my car and just went, just get in the car and go. And one of those was a policeman and he was just talking to me and just kind of looking after me a little bit as I was getting into my car. I went home. Um, I this, The first thing I did was I called um, a different league, a league that I originally wanted to get on. So this was in like my first season as a football referee. So I called up a man called John Corson, who is the referee secretary. I'm not sure if he still is, but he was back then, the referee secretary of the Brentwood Sunday League. And I called him and I went, John, I, I was trying to get hold of you to join your league, but I couldn't. Um, and I really want to. And this has just happened to me. So can I come and referee on the Brentwood Sunday League? Because I, I wanted to go to that side of like Essex as opposed to the other side of Essex that this other league, I think it was like the, I don't know, it's like the East London District League or something. They were sending me kind of to inner East London, which obviously, like just, I knew, I knew the way I was. I wouldn't get on very well refereeing in that part of London. And, and so he said, yep, he sent me the forms. He got me signed up. He gave me a game the next week. Um, and then obviously we dealt with all the discipline after and he kind of advised me what to do um, with the other league. And, uh, and that was that. Um, I mean, if I hadn't picked up the phone and had that other league to go to, knowing that I'd have felt a lot safer there, I may not be doing this podcast now. I don't know. But it was, well, I, it, I don't, it was a horrific I, I situation. I don't know the how they define abuse, but the University of Portsmouth uh, did some research and they found that 
93% of referees have been abused whilst being a referee, yeah, which I, mean, I think is just a, a shocking statistic. Uh, and what was interesting was that uh, their research found that the problem seemed to be much more acute in, in England, and they found that other European countries had a much um, much lesser problem, and they gave an example of how the level of abuse suffered by Dutch referees was just over half 51 percent or something right. like that right but uh, i mean i only ever i've never had actual physical violence but i mean i've i've, I've had threats that you know they were going to meet me at my car and break my legs and that sort of thing yep um um which you know quite frankly is just uh, absurd that you know, there you are going out to to referee to, to allow a match to be effective and people are you know threatening you with acts of violence and again i think had it not been for the fact that you know I'm 50 years of age and long enough in the pretty, pretty yeah, and, and seen yeah. a lot of things through work that I, I, I was able to deal with it. But I, again, I think anybody starting out their career having to endure that would probably never go back. But rightly, um, so. rightly so. And that's something I used to say, like just as a bit of advice to people who are listening to this conversation. I used to, when people used to F and blind at me and, and swear at me and things like that, I, I used to say to them, especially on the Sunday leagues, I'd look at them, I'd go, dude, shut up. And they'd be like, what? I'd be like, you can't talk to me like that. Or please stop talking to me like that. And they'd be like, I'll say what I want. I'm like, no, you can't. I'm at work. Like, I don't deserve to be abused while I'm at work. So can you please stop abusing me whilst I'm at work? I'm like, how do you like what? I'd have this conversation. I'd be like, what do you do for work? They'd be like, oh, I'm a builder. I'd be like, well, what would, how would you like it if I just walked up to your work site and just started calling you all these names because you was laying cement. And he was like, uh, I was like, exactly. I'm at work, leave me alone, let me do my job. And and like that kind of reasoning works sometimes. I can't say it worked all the time, but it's a strategy you can like put up your sleeve to hopefully help you figure that out. Um, the whole thing with parents is a whole other thing. Uh, like if, if you're gonna do, I'd say if you're going to do youth football, try your damnedest to not do local youth football and just get into like football league, youth football, get into proper structured youth football because the behavior of parents is like, they're literally not allowed to say a word to anybody. Um, you know, like get into doing academy games, stuff like that. Yeah. And, and they're screaming out for referees in, in those places. You might think, well, I'll never get to referee the West Ham Academy. You'd be amazed. If you can find the right person to talk to, just contact the club, be like, where do you get your referees from? Whatever. Um, and, you know, I used to do a lot of Leighton Orient um, academies. I've done the West Ham Academy. I've done Premier League Academy tournaments. And the parents are as good as gold because if they say a word, the team gets such a fine. Like their player get like their their child gets stopped from uh, stopped from playing. Like it's really quite serious. Well, I think some of our future friends and and guests for future podcasts do academy football mm. in in England, so they might be able to give us an insight into yeah. what that's like and how to get into it. But but anyway, so um, yeah, I just wanted to cover that really because it's sort of uh, <clears throat> as you'd expect got a lot of reaction on social media and it's brought it all out again. I'll be interested to see if there's any further response from the FA. But I think, you know, people should get in touch as if they've had, you know, any examples themselves or instances of being the victim of um, physical or verbal abuse. Be interesting to hear other people's um, stories. It would. And also, that was the news. and also it'd be interesting to, you know, hopefully help advise people or it'd be really interesting to, um, yeah, see if it ended someone's career. And, and they think, how do you come back from it? How do you recover from it? You might, you know, getting back onto the field, is scary. You might be worried about things. 
you know, I'm, you know, I'm living proof that it's not the be all and end all. You can come back from it. And it made, it probably made me a better referee. Uh, it probably made me a bit stronger, a bit, a bit more solid, but it wasn't a nice experience. Don't get me wrong. And I don't wish it upon anyone. And I, I genuinely don't think anyone should have to go through it at all. And if you have gone through it, then make sure if you do, if it happens in your game this weekend or next weekend, or whenever you're listening to this, make sure you report anything, yeah. anything. Absolutely. Because if you don't report it, you're you're that's making that's you're that's making it so much worse yeah. for the next person. And I'd and like then, to think people reporting at the moment would get the full backing of I the FA so. because it's it, you know the problem about referee numbers is is a really serious one, and um, yeah. I think they're bound to take your complaint seriously. But uh, there, mm. we go. Um, there we go. Perhaps the cheerish subjects to begin. No, podcast number four, but an important one nonetheless. Um, should, we, uh, should we crack a joke? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, should we should we deal with law number four? Oh, before Which we do I... that, as, as no, oh. let's, let's 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 bring the energy up a little bit. So, um, the do you remember the um the young gentleman from the last podcast? Yeah. Yeah, we... who asked us about? I can't remember. What we asked us about now. Oh, it was about the red card incident. Yeah. He uh he messaged me on Facebook. And he said, I was the young lad who emailed about the dilemma. I just, I had with the club linesman. I just wanted to say thank you so much for answering my question. And your answer gave me an absolute ton of confidence. Um, and, and then he went on to say, uh, he updated me on how his fixtures went like last weekend. He said he took into account everything I said and trusted his instincts a lot more. It paid off on the first game in the middle. He uh, did a send off for serious foul play resulting in a player breaking his leg in three players. So he got that one right, which is brilliant. And then second one in the middle, no sending off or cautions as players were well behaved final game of the day. Um, but he said it all couldn't have gone better. You've really helped me gain a lot of confidence as a referee. Thank you. That's which is lovely. Nice and then I, I, like I know. And then I've had some other feedback as well. I had two people follow me on, uh, on Instagram who have listened to the podcast. See, we're reaching the echelons. And uh, she, uh, one of them was a lady referee, which is awesome. And she's quite new to refereeing, I think. She was like... Uh, She's found out about my podcast and she, it's safe to say I love it. I'm new to refereeing and I found it very helpful and interesting. Unfortunately, she's a West Ham fan, but we can't worry about that too much. And then um, a football league uh, linesman as well. He's followed me and he said similar things that he likes the podcast and stuff. So, we're you know, we're touching the greats. Well, I'm, I'm, it's always nice to... First of all, hear that people are listening. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think we're sat no, here people, talking to people, ourselves. No, not at all. People really are listening. I've got the stats. I, I share, know, them, not, I share them with you daily. Not just in the UK. No, not just oh. in the UK. Oh, all over I'm, the world. We want to be number one in Malawi. If we can become number one in Malawi, we've made it. Um, but no, it's impressive. We're, we're sort of doing well in terms of footballing podcasts in the UK, but we've got listeners from a whole host of different countries, which is Fiji, very, very Namibia, Armenia. Iceland, New Zealand. I didn't even know you played oh. soccer in New Zealand. United Kingdom, Australia. I know, I, of course I do. Um, yeah, no, it's good. Number one in Malawi, that's the goal. Well, thank you very much to those of you who are listening. And Continue please to remember share if you are listening to um, reviewers and give us a five-star review on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. Oh, but actually, share I, the good I, news. I, I'd prefer you to follow me on Instagram and send me a message because I'm a narcissist. And I would also prefer you to uh, to share it with somebody else who might find it helpful. I think that's more important than the reviews, but I'll take a review as well. Yeah. Just basically just support it in every which way. <laughs> and tell your friends about us as well. So that'd be good and get more listeners in that. And we also need to thank a few people who've shared the podcast too. Uh, there's a guy called The Referee Image. 
who takes photos here. He shared it for us. And um, uh, the guy who does the referee for him, Ant Canavan, oh, yeah. he shared it for us. Um, and that, I think awesome. that went a long way as well. So thank you so much to everyone who is sharing it. It means an awful lot. Yeah. And again, I'm just going to plug again, do followers on Twitter, um, which is uh, Red or Yellow Pod. <laughs> you um, said that with confidence. <laughs> yeah, I know. I still, I'm, I'm still remember it. Um, we're getting lots of lots of traction on our Facebook page. So come yeah. and find us on Facebook by looking for Red or Yellow. Um, we don't have an Instagram account yet, do we, Adam? No, because I know I'd no. be responsible for running that. I already run about six, so I'm like holding off. Um, anyway, oh, so there golly, we go. I'm already getting the warning that our meeting time is about to run over. We haven't even started the law yet. Let's go. Law four. Uh, law number four, which I think is enthralling, uh, can be summarized in two words. And the two <laughs> words are Wear the right shit. No, sorry. <laughs> shin pads. Yes. Uh, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. I hate shin pads. I that hate is law, them. That's, that's law number four dumb. You've got to wear them. Um, <laughs> What's next week? No, no, no. That is not true. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's almost are... true. No, it's not. I I have such an axe to grind about shin pads. Oh, crikey. Oh, yeah. You've really touched the nerve. Um, right, well, part, part one of law number four um, tells us that uh, no player can use or wear anything that's going to be dangerous. And so that means that all items of jewellery must come off. Including wedding that rings. Means- Wedding rings, um, nose rings, bands, bracelets, uh, earrings, necklaces, all must come off, all forbidden. And it's not acceptable to say, oh, I'm just going to put some tape around my wedding ring. That ring has to come off or the player can't play. It's as simple as that. Can I also say, though, with that, if you're refereeing you're vets, vets football, that is very difficult. And some men just can't get the wedding ring off their fingers. <laughs> um, uh, Although in this day and age, I mean, I suppose many footballers just hope divorce, uh, divorces keep staying on the rise because then they don't have to worry about it at all, do they? But uh, that's a terrible joke. Um, but yeah, like, like to a to a degree, like I'm not gonna lie, I think we've all done it. We've all let players play with wedding rings on. They've put tape yeah, on I it agree. and stuff like that. Like yeah. you, you know, there's times to be militant about these things. The higher up you go in the football pyramid, when you start doing more important games, when you start doing games with assessors, stuff like that. This, especially in England, this player's equipment is really important. Assessors look at yeah. it greatly because it's so easy to spot. And, and you know, we became, you know, the level I got to, we got really militant about it because it, it's, easy, it's, it, one, it's easy wins for you with your assessors. And um, so it's easy marks to get and it's also easy marks to lose. So just get it right. And also I find with player's equipment, it's a great pre-match moment to assert your authority. To let them know that you know what you're doing, you're in charge, you know what the laws are, you know the intricacies of the laws. And then those moments where you might need to be flexible, you, you can kind of use that to win players onto your side a little bit, which might make your next 90 minutes a bit easier. So obviously make sure they're safe. Um, but And if you do that pre-match, that should all, all be yep. really good. But occasionally yep. it happens that someone will come on and they've got an item or you discover somebody's wearing an item and what you simply do is you instruct them to remove the item. They have to leave the field of play um, at the next stoppage if they're unwilling or, or unable to comply. So you've got to get them to remove it straight away. And a player and, who refuses to comply um, must be cautioned. And if you can, again. and if you can do it at stop and play, then do obviously. Um, but yeah, 
uh, it's it can be frustrating. You know, those little studs in the in it are. You know, like the respect handshake is always a great time to check all of that. I always do that. But by that point, it's a little bit too late. I always line up the clubs. Obviously, at my level, when you work in the stadiums, line up the clubs and I'll get my assistants to do a full check. And then I'll do a check as well. Um, just because it's much easier to deal with it there than it is on the pitch. It just looks messy on the pitch. And you don't want, you know, 21 players all hanging around waiting for one guy to try and get a bloody earring out that he can't get out and stuff like that. Yeah. So, And also in ladies football, it's really important as well. Um, earrings, jewellery, those kinds of things, um, bracelets, rings. Um, they are obviously allowed to tie their hair back with a with a headband and stuff. Um, but if they have, I've done, one thing I've noticed there is you get a lot of spare like headbands on um, on wrists yeah. and stuff. Players come out with those now, so I'm always like, look, take it off, and they're like, well, what do I do? I'm like, just put it in your sock, like save it for later if you need it. But I don't want it on your wrist because I don't want someone's finger getting twisted in it, and then that would be horrific. Now, yeah. part two is mm, entitled compulsory equipment. And the strange thing about that is really, I mean, there's a, l- a long list of things, or not a long list, but there's a list of things. But again, Don't it is naked. summarized by shin pads because shin pads are the only obligatory thing which you have to wear. That's not true. Alongside, you have to well, wear a shirt, shorts, you have to wear shirt, socks, yeah, and, footwear. I know. But when, when was the last time you had a match where you had to abandon the game because four players weren't wearing shorts? Um, no, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it is a bit ridiculous because we all know you've got to have a shirt, shorts, and socks, um, and footwear. Uh, and goalkeepers may wear tracky bottoms, which tracky is the bottoms exemption that's granted to them. They but also pads. later on in the law it says they're allowed to wear baseball caps as well, doesn't it? Yes, um, it does. Goalkeepers only. Uh, but can I just on shin guards? Can I like when are when is IFAB? And as we as we established because of your fun corner the other week, basically when is England, the FA, going to turn around and say shin pads must cover a minimum amount of the shin? Because at the minute, I'm getting lads who are six foot seven who are in shin pads that are the size of my little finger. And it is ridiculous. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, this is the problem because shin pads, as people know, have ever bought them come in all shapes and sizes some are very big and protect the entirety of the shin and, and the often ankle. have an attachment and protecting the ankle as well and then you'll find a number of particularly strikers wearing shin pads which are very small light and don't really cover a great deal of the shin at all but and, um and players players might turn around and say um oh you know it's my responsibility but it's actually not right i've been, i've 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 what i've had in my career, I've probably had four or five ambulances come to a football pitch. I've definitely had two or three broken legs on football pitches. Um, and I'd say a good 80% of those probably would have been avoided if proper shin pads were being worn. Like, I oh, mean, like that's full, that later on, because I've been looking some research good. about what protection shin pads give you. But no, yeah, I, okay. I, I agree. But there's, the, all it says in the, in the laws is they must be made of a suitable material to provide reasonable protection and be covered by the socks. That's Plastic. Like all the stipulations. Yeah. I know. It's um, very, and that's the other thing as well. It must be covered by the sock. Like players very often, they just let their socks dangle over the, like, under the, that annoys me. Anyway, you can tell I have a lot of um, gripes with this law, can't you? <laughs> but I think that's all it is about part two of, of um, players' equipment. Shin pads, I think, yeah. is no, no, yeah. key. Yeah, and I've got some fun facts about shin pads later on. Wait, so it doesn't say goalkeepers are allowed to wear gloves. 
It doesn't actually say that in the laws. Because goalkeepers can no. play without gloves, can't they? They can. There we go. Um, like I said, shin guards, shin pads are the only obligatory protective um, mm. item that footballers must wear. Correct. Um, Colours. Colours. Well, I mean, I think this is can be dealt with pretty quickly, doesn't it? I mean, teams yeah. obviously have to don't have clash. Colours that don't clash. Goalkeepers must wear colours that are distinguishable from other players and the match officials. And if two goalkeepers' shirts are the same colour, neither is another shirt. The referee allows the match to be played. Well, that's really just common sense. Undershirts. Know, but undershirts. What? This. I mean, I think this is more. I think it's less of less of a grassroots problem. Yeah, correct. Than it is at, at perhaps you know your level and above, which is undershirts are meant to be a single colour matching the main colour of the shirt sleeve or replicating any pattern that's on the shirt sleeve. And um, this. And this. This one causes all kinds of problems, the undershorts. Yeah, well, undershorts must be the same colour as the main colour of the shorts or the lowest part of the shorts. And players of the same team must wear the same colour. Yes. Um, That's true of undershirts and of... Oh, no, it's not true of undershirts, no, is it? No. Isn't that weird? So they but all have must... to wear the same colour undershorts, but not the same colour undershirts. I guess it's implied if you're saying that everybody wearing an undershirt has to match the colour... It should of be the, the same. sleeve. It should be the same, shouldn't it? But right. um, yeah, okay, yeah. But still, I mean, the, 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 the joy with undershorts is you can just tell them to roll them up, so you don't see them. As long as you don't see them, it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, I mean, which I is say, a lot more difficult with undershirts. I mean, I'm not doing matches where you're assessed, so I'm not really remotely bothered by these sorts of issues. But if you're being mm. assessed, then these are things that you'd be picked up on, I would assume. Absolutely. Um, that you get marked down if you're not making sure the laws have been complied with. So that's subsection three. Um, subsection equipment. Subsection four is <clears throat> so basically, you can't have any head covering um, apart from, well, it says you can have um, headgears, face masks, knee and arm protectors, but they've got to be made of a soft, lightweight, padded material. And uh, people are also able to wear goalkeepers, goalkeepers are able to wear goalkeepers' caps and sports spectacles. Edgar Davids. Exactly. Edgar Davids is a prime example. It's amazing um, you don't get more goal, uh, more players wearing sports spectacles, I isn't guess it? They must wear contacts. Just, I guess people just prefer to wear um, contact lenses because it's just a bit easier, really, isn't it? It's a bit, I don't yeah. know, it's just been a bit difficult wearing glasses on a pitch but well it didn't it didn't hurt edgar didn't really see many people wearing them no and it didn't hurt edgar davids he was phenomenal until he became a manager well he became manager at barnet didn't he I can't it was something like that it was certainly sort of north london way it didn't mm. go very well they did it, it was no. short. he was player manager as well wasn't he probably um yeah um so head covers where head covers um are worn they must be black all the same main colour as the shirt, um, and players the same team must wear the same colour, uh, not be attached to the shirt, not to be dangerous to the player wearing it, and not to have any parts extending out. I can't work out what the head cover bit's all about. Is that just well, for, it, for goalkeepers? No, it's about um, religion, isn't it? It's if um, Sikhs want to play football, or it's if um, devout Muslim people want to play um, okay. um, football. And, I was uh, thinking know, about Petrček and his sort of Orthodox Jews. Where, where, yeah, where they could I don't know, but you know, like, um, yeah, it's 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 a point of head coverings for religious reasons, and obviously, yeah, for I imagine concussion protection. Um, 
that as well. Obviously, yeah, Peter Cech is the most famous example of that, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um, but you know, it's it's sometimes it's hard to forget that football is a global game. Like it's played in Iraq, it's played in Iran, it's played, you know, in the Middle East and with Arabs and stuff. And so, you know, like they probably have all kinds of different nuances that need covering in the laws of the game compared to, you know, us Caucasian. Oh, I'm Christian, but I'm not sure if you are. Um, I, I, I've you're, never, you're Catholic, aren't you? You're not Christian. Yeah. You're Catholic. Yeah, of yeah. course. You know, so. I've never really had an issue about anybody wanting to wear any head coverings at all in any match I've refereed. I think I think I've seen it a bit more often in um, women's football, like young Asian girls. Like they they obviously cover their heads sometimes, like their ponytails and stuff, don't they? Like they, they have like sometimes they have a bun on top and they wear something on their head for that. Uh, I, I feel a bit embarrassed that my knowledge doesn't exactly know what it is, but I've seen it there a few times, uh, which is fine. Um, but yeah, generally it's not a big deal because obviously it might affect the way you head the ball and stuff. So yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, yeah, that's what it's there for. Uh, have and, then, you, and then we go, go on. on. No, no. I was going to okay. say, have you ever had uh, issues with things like this? Like people wearing jumpers under shirts and all that kind of stuff? No. Do you want to hear a really funny story? Oh, yeah. I had one this season. So I was refereeing. I can't remember what team it was. Oh, it was ridiculous. It was a um, it was a Romanian fella here in Australia. And he came people, out. People, this... people do travel, by the way, around the world. No, that's not the funny uh, bit. No, you, the see, fact, you seem to the be fact... somewhat taken aback by someone from Romania was in Australia. Um, uh, how do you, you get from Bucharest it, to the? Uh, this is, the this is a, we, we live in a sort of globe where people travel and live and work abroad. All right, will you stop patronising me? No, the fact he's Romanian is important for like the payoff at the end of the story. Let me craft the story. Okay. I'm an entertainer. Um, so. This gentleman who happened to be from Romania, is that okay, Edward? Um, he uh, So second half of the game, he came out wearing a zip-up jumper under his football shirt. And right. like, I saw him and I was like, dude, what are you doing? And he was like, I'm cold. I'm like, you're Romanian. How can you be cold in Australia? That was the payoff. See, now you took it away and it's not as funny. Um, and uh, and I had to get him to remove. I had to get him to remove the. Yeah, I had to get him to remove the jumper that he put on at halftime under his shirt because it had a zip on it, and I think it had a hood on it. He looked like you know when people wear you know when like people go to rugby games and stuff like that, or go to football games and they wear like five layers underneath their team shirt. Yeah, he looked a bit like that. He looked a bit like a walking rugby ball as opposed to somebody who was about to play football. Presumably, there's nothing wrong with people wearing items of clothing under their football shirts which aren't visible beyond the uh, outline of their shirt yeah. and which don't have things like zips on them. So, if yes. you I mean, that's no. what people wear under armour. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, you I, don't see. So. I, I, I'd have no issue with under armour, but he was he was wearing, it was a zipped hoodie that clearly was too big for the way in which he was wearing it. And the other scary thing about that is he said to me, you're the first referee this season to tell me to take that off. Of which I died a little bit inside. And the other thing as well, I had a goalkeeper wearing a snood in Australia. Um, yeah, there's no provisions for the wearing of snoods, is there, in the laws? No, it, it did used to say, I believe, snoods are not allowed. Like, they actually reference snoods. But you, you, don't, you don't want something around your neck 
that can't come off easily because if someone pulls it, you're going to choke and die. So just don't wear snoods, please. Um, and the last part of section four is, can we do it very quickly? Because you, you can't I really have... thought that. I really thought yeah. that was going to be funny, that story. Yeah. No, I'm saying Funny how it's, things don't quite sound that funny when they're actually said out loud. <laughs> um, electronic communication. So this is all about, you see professionals, they look, when they take their tops off, they wear, look like they're wearing some sort of like bra. bra. And yeah. what it is, it's just an electronic performance and tracking system, which... Um, it's basically like a GPS chip that they wear in their back that they can then use for analysis after the game. So it's yep. really only for the elite game, but th- those are permissible provided they can't, um, see can't see it and they don't present any danger. But it also, it. sorry, go on. No, I was going to say they come under um, requirements for that FIFA have in place for wearable electronic performance and tracking systems. Yeah, but it also says here under electronic communication that players, including substitutes, substitutes and send-off players, are not permitted to wear or use any form of electronic communication equipment except EPTS, which is the performance stuff. Um, So this basically means you're not allowed people to communicate with the bench electronically. So they're not allowed to have an earpiece in, they're not allowed to have a microphone or anything like that um, in order to, like, you know, like in American football where, like, the quarterback is kind of mic'd up to the... um, to yeah. the, the benches and stuff. You're not allowed that in football at all. So no communications electronically is allowed to take place. Um, other than maybe like a physio or someone who might come on and that's just for easy communication. They might use a walkie-talkie type thing. Um, Slogans, statements, images, and advertising. Well, this this I think we can do it really quickly because I don't think it's going to really go to affect many grassroots referees or, or even most sort of referees of a high level. There's a couple of famous examples of this law though, isn't there? Do you remember are, Mario but Balotelli? But they're like the, they're mm-hmm. the sort of professional level. So, so yeah. basically, fo- football always prides itself on being a an apolitical, um, <clears throat> a religious sport, and so you're not allowed to display uh, anything which is political message, um, religious, personal slogans, statements, or images or advertising other than the uh, manufacturer's logo. And um, I mean that really and sponsorships. Yeah. So you had Mario Balotelli, didn't you? Why Always Me? He got booked for that, I believe, yeah. if memory serves me right. But then another one, Billy Sharp. Do you remember the Sheffield United centre forward? Uh, I don't, because I was actually just thinking of the other occasion, which was, was it Christian Bentner, who... Um, what, the Arsenal lifted, player? Yeah, didn't he lift up a, a shirt to reveal... Oh, a sponsor. It was a sponsor, sponsor. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he got in a lot of trouble for that. Yeah. Um, so Billy Sharp, he, I think, I think he had a stillbirth. It was it was a very sad story, or a very young child of his passed away. Uh, it was some kind of tragic story like that. Um, and he scored a goal like the weekend of the week it all happened, and he lifted his shirt just to say in honor of or whatever it was for for his um for his child. And I think the referee didn't book him quite rightly and this is like this is like a point of law like empathy for the game and the people within the game compared to necessarily being dictatorial about the laws yeah. it is you know sometimes you just have to trust your better judgment um yeah despite what the consequences might be in terms of uh what you know assessors or the fa might say about stuff like to book a 
playoff for that kind of incident, which is never going to happen on the field, right? But still, that's just one of those things. Just two uh, interesting moments of. And wasn't isn't or wasn't remember. Guardiola being repeatedly fined recently because he was wearing a um, sort of badge in relation to Basque independence or something of that sort? He kept, he kept oh, wearing, it? kept on being fined, and kept saying he was going to keep on wearing it. But that was because of this law, where you know, yeah. no, no political. Things at all. So that's pretty straightforward. Um, and then we've come on to the last part, which is subsection six, which is offences and sanctions. And um, for any offence, play needs to be stopped. The player is instructed to leave the field, correct the equipment, um, leaves when play stops, and the equipment has already been corrected. And a player who leaves the field of play to correct or change equipment must have the equipment checked by a match before being allowed to re enter. Well, grassroots is going to be the referee and only re-enter with the referee's permission and a player who enters that permission which may which may be given during play that's quite yeah. important yep uh, and a player who enters that permission must be cautioned um and this tells you that if you're stopping the game the restarts with an indirect free kick um there we go because yeah, no contact has taken place so it's an indirect free kick lovely so well, there it is. Interesting. Shin pads. Shin as pads. I said at the outset is really. Did all you? You, need to know. you said. You said this law can be summed up by two words. Yeah. Didn't you? And you're a lawyer, aren't you? I just want this on record. Yep. You're a lawyer. You're an intelligent man. Do you have a degree? Yep. You have a law degree. I hope you have got a degree. Otherwise, yeah. things have gone wrong and somewhere. Throughout the entire law, shin pads is written as one word. Uh, it is. Although interestingly, um, <laughs> I'm looking, googling as we speak, and Nike on their I, website. I trust IFAB over Nike. Pads, but shin space pads. I don't think shin pads is all one word. I'll be entirely honest with you. Fair enough. Um, but now you sought to humiliate me and do criticize <laughs> my lack of knowledge. Well, you denigrated um, my story about the Romanian. Uh, I'm just going to have a little look, see if I can find the answer for you. Um, two this separate is, words. This is great Oxford, radio. Oxford uh, Dictionary, Adam. Shin okay. pads. Yeah, that's Oxford. What about the Cambridge Dictionary, you know, for yeah, socialists? Okay. Listen, don't be a sore loser. So, um, <laughs> only leaves time now for my fun facts. And have you got a jingle for us yet? I haven't. I need to do one, oh. don't I? I'm sorry. I give you one job and you don't no, come you up with don't. a jingle. I, uh, why don't we send it out to the listeners? If you could come up with a jingle for Ed's fun facts, I will, I 100% promise I will edit <laughs> it in. I promise. So, um, my fun facts really are all to do with shin pads, which I know <laughs> you could be very excited about. One, one word or two words? <laughs> two words. So, uh, when is the first recorded use of shin pads in football, Adam? We like you... this game. Well, <laughs> no, we to... You like it because I'm crazy. See how wildly out Adam is on his guesses. 19? No. Really? <laughs> 18? 1846? Yeah. No. Um, so 1874. That's close. There was a chap called Sam Wellow Widdison. Wow. Um, who was, this is where it's quite interesting, was a cricket player oh. for Nottinghamshire, but also played for Nottingham Forest. Right. And cricketers had been using shin pads, I think, for quite a while before then. Now, I think cricket was the first sport to use protective equipment. 
Right. And so Sam uh, Weller Widdison decided to cut down a pair of his cricket pads, strap them to the outside of his socks, and to use them to protect his shins. That's the first recorded use of shin pads. How interesting. What I found really interesting, what year do you think it was that FIFA made the wearing of shin pads obligatory? This this blew me away. All right, so that means it must be quite late. Uh, it normally revolves around a World Cup. Am I right with that? Because last time it was all it was for this World Cup. Uh, it revolves around a World Cup. Okay. Correct. So you had, what do we have? Mexico 86. What was the one before that? I'm going to go for the one before Mexico 86. So that would have been 82, whatever that was. You went the wrong way. No, really? I was Itali- so Itali- close. Italian 90. Italian 90. 1990 wow. was when FIFA made it a big issue to wear shin pads. I was astonished by that because, wow. yeah. I mean, I remember playing football in the 70s where you wouldn't be allowed to play football without shin pads on, but it wasn't a FIFA rule, uh, law rather. So uh, 1990, um, what was the other fun fact I was going to tell you about? So... Um, I've read quite a bit of research online this week about what protection shin pads give to you. Wow, Honestly. that broken collarbone's really affected <laughs> your week, hasn't it? <laughs> I had a bit of time on my hands. Um, and uh, what percentage of footballing injuries would you say are from the uh, related to the lower part of the body in football, Adam? What percentage? Seventy-three. 82.9% of yeah. injuries are related to... I was going to go a bit higher, but then I thought, ah, uh, you only asking if it was, you know... Yeah, okay. And what percentage of those injuries uh, are resulting in fractures? Fractures of the shin bone or just lower fractures limb? Of, fractures of bones. Of bones. Oh, all bones? Yeah. All body bones? Yeah. Okay. All body bones. Uh, There's a range high? in... Should we, should we go? Should we go? Bruce Forsyth. Is it higher or lower than eighty-two? No. Listen to the question. <laughs> what percentage of injuries result in fractures? Oh yeah, but no. I know. I mean, is it higher how, or lower how many, than the last? How number? many times are you calling the ambulance to the to your pitches? Oh, is Adam refereeing? Five. We'll have one standing by. <laughs> it uh, is fifty-six percent. Honestly, I despair sometimes. So <laughs> fractures represent between, I mean, you don't get many fractures in football. So they represent between 2 to 11% of all really? injuries in football. Yeah, 2 to 11%. I think, I think that's still quite high, personally. Well, 2 no, to 11% I think, of, I what, of all injuries in football. Okay, that yeah. makes more sense. I, yeah. thought we were, I thought we were still treading down the path of shins and chin pads. And, okay. Yeah, okay. And, that and, is quite high, but no, I think that's probably fair. Of the fractures that have happened in football, what percentage of fractures relate to the lower limbs? Oh, can you repeat the question? <laughs> yeah. Of, of all fractures that yep. happen during football, what yep. percentage are related to the lower limbs? 98. See, I just think, I just, I'd have guessed something pretty high as well, but it's only it's quite low. It's 30 to 33% of fractures relate to. Right. So you've got to remember we're talking about, you know. Fingers, elbows, yeah. arms. I'm thinking I've seen a few broken collarbones and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, I've seen a few smashed um, teeth. And the other interesting fact is everybody's assumption is the purpose behind shin pads is to prevent people getting fractures. But in fact, the standard to which um, 
Shin Potoshi made, certainly in UK, is called the British Standard Euro Norm. And their purpose is to prevent lacerations, contusions, and punctures. So they're not actually designed to prevent fractures. As a matter of fact, they do help prevent fractures because research has shown that the, the purpose of a shin pad is you get a point of contact, but the shin pad displaces the energy around the shin pad. So it kind of like takes the force out of the focal point and yes, stops people from getting their, yep. their injury, um, which is why having a small shin pad is pretty much less effective than having a bigger shin pad. Yep. Um, and so it's not, not actually designed to prevent fractures. And in fact, research has shown that strong tackle um, will, you know, break your tibia, whether you've got a shin pad or not, um, yeah. in reality, yeah. um, because that's not the purpose. And the final, final, it's not particularly fun fact, is it? Because these are sort of facts about shin pads and they're not particularly fun. But No, but they are um, interesting. Like, if you get into an argument with someone about wearing shin pads or not, you can, yeah. you know, no, you, can, you, you go, well, look, you know, listen to these stats and then they'll be like, okay, I'll put them on. There you go. Um, and, and there's been research done, because at the moment, most of the manufacturers use particular types of um, materials um, mm. but that the best material that you can use which don't feature in those is carbon carbon is the best yeah. protector but and and so i think some professionals have carbon specially made pads. carbon shin pads uh, which then have padding in them mm. um, but for the vast majority the average player who's going out and buying That's shin right. pads they're, they're made of some sort of plastic or some sort of engineered material um, so the long and short of all that is, is that you must wear them and um, they might prevent you from getting serious injury. That's the whole purpose behind them. So there we go. Those have are my you, fun facts this week. Have, have you ever had some uh, people trying to get around the shin pad law in your games? Yeah, that's because, the, 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 I mean, inevitably there are people who turn up and haven't got shin pads. And I'm afraid to say the bottom line is, is they that don't play. they don't play. They do I not mean, play. Well, you, you, you might had, be prepared to have someone wrap up their wedding ring so that people can play a game of football. But, you know, when it comes to preventing injury, um, things like that, chin pads, I'm afraid to say, are, uh, you know, deal breaker. Also, if you let a player play without shin pads and something happens to him, yeah. then you have very little ground to stand on. Um, added to that, well, I don't want to get into that conversation again. Um, but added to that as well, um, I've had I've had players try and stuff newspapers down their socks and use those as shin pads. Oh, the joys of Essex. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and I just looked at them and went, "Are you are you serious?" And they're like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Just go away." And my oh. parting shot is going to be. Uh, Having Googled, is shin pads one word? The Collins, <laughs> the Collins Dictionary says a shin, separate word, pad. It's a thick piece of material that you wear inside your socks to protect the lower part of your leg when you're playing a game such as football. Um, but really, so. we really we've established it should be to spread the impact of the force, not necessarily to protect only. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. There you go. Right. So there we go. Um, so next week, Adam, next what week, is law Edward. number four. Well, maybe not. What, next week, is it but... number five? Isn't it number five? Number, yeah, number five. Sorry, that was it's next the week. authority of the referee. It is. Oh, um, shall I do like a proper cinematic voice for that one next week? Welcome also, to Red or Yellow, the authority of the referee. How are we going to demonstrate the referee signals when we only have the medium of audio? Uh, well, you're gonna have no. to be you be descriptive. 
<laughs> Why do I have to be descriptive? You don't like my stories. Because you're the uh, artist. <laughs> oh, am I, darling? I'm an actor, don't you know? Uh, exactly. <laughs> I set myself the challenge before we recorded this to get that in somewhere today. I'm glad I did it. <laughs> there are no, there are no signals yes, on Law are. Five. Yes, I'm looking at it. Okay, I'm not looking at it well enough. Oh, oh no, it's raw, that's Law Six. Referee signals gets its own law. Yes, absolutely, God, it does. Because it needs to be done properly, Edward. That's going to um, be a thrilling episode. <laughs> <laughs> so this can be summed up. With two words, watch YouTube. <laughs> Adam is standing with one arm directly <laughs> above his head in a vertical line by his ear. <laughs> right, let's let's not let's not give away our great content. Otherwise, people won't tune in in two weeks' time. Um, so uh, it won't be two weeks' time because I'm going to be on holiday in two weeks' time. So oh, I've got, either got to record it next week, okay, uh, or when I get back. Well, no, that we've got to do authority of the referee first. So, yeah, no, but I mean, you'll have to do, yeah, our next recording other next week. I bet I better ask the question that every single referee is now wondering um, who listens to this where are you going on holiday, Edward? I'm going to Miami. Oh, that would be fun. Are you watching the Dolphins yeah. play? No, not oh. watching the Dolphins play. I'm awesome. going on a short cruise out of Miami for a few days. Nice. Um, heading down to Key West and Lovely. that sort of thing. You yeah. know, uh, you know, there's a Miami on the Gold Coast. I did know there's a Miami on the Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah it confused. There's me. a Hollywood on the Gold Coast as well, isn't there? No. Are you sure? I'm certain. I don't know. I don't think there week. is. Okay. Oh God. Here we go. Another another reason Adam was wrong. I should really just stick to refereeing, shouldn't I? <laughs> refereeing and acting, darling. Oh, and personal training. <laughs> Uh, okay. All right, uh, this, is not, this is not a vehicle no. for you to advertise. <laughs> it's always a vehicle for me to advertise. <laughs> so, right. um, there we go, because it's it's not late here, but it's early there. And yeah, I've got a coffee date. Um, thank you. Well, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for following us, everybody. Like always, if you have any questions, if you need any help with anything, just like you know, um, that young lad did the other week, please send it over to us. Um and I'm not sure if we said that we hope the guy gets well who got attacked as a referee. And obviously, oh we, yeah, no, we, you're right. We wish him a speedy recovery. Wish him a speedy recovery. And let's hope that you know he, he that's not the end of his refereeing career. But uh, yeah, yeah, speedy recovery to him. Um, and, and if you need to talk to us about any kind of issues that we spoke about at the start of this podcast, then you know, just we're you know we're very welcoming people. So please feel free to message give us, us a shout, and we'll get yeah. back to you, and we'll try and help and advise in the best way we can, um, for sure. Great. We'll have a lovely week. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode of Red or Yellow. You're clearly a very fit listener. May I gently remind you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tell all your friends. And don't forget to please share it with any refereeing groups that you may have. Good luck on the fields out there this week. And if you have any questions, please make sure you send them in to us on social media. Voice notes or written questions would be brilliant. And we will, of course, include them in the podcast. Have the most wonderful day. Ciao, ciao.